Welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. I want to thank every single one of you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. It means a lot to me. I take a lot of pride in these podcasts, and I love to have conversations just like this one. These are the types of interviews and the content that I really like to uncover. The the people who are pulling the, the strings behind the scenes, making things happen, and um, giving you guys a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of professional Supercross. Uh, every anyone can uh, not every anybody, but there's there's tons of race reviews out there talking about the series, and I, I of course love to bench race about that stuff too. But any opportunity that I have to call up guys like Chris Elliott to sort of pick his brain and uh, just sort of deconstruct all of the cool things that are going on within the sport of, the, of Supercross and and how things work and, and just like the, the trials and tribulations of a uh, basically a satellite Supercross team. I guess that's a, a kind of a dated term. They haven't really called them satellite teams for uh, for about a decade or so. But either way, this meant a lot to me. Chris is a great friend. He's a great person. And I hope that you guys will enjoy this this podcast. My my one fee for the podcast it's it's free it comes to your uh, your phone by uh, either Spotify or iTunes uh, for free but if you want or if if you would I would appreciate it if you share it on your story bring me one friend share this podcast with a like minded individual who loves motocross loves Supercross and uh, and and might listen to this podcast might share that with some fr- with one friend and that would be fantastic i'd really appreciate it i hope you guys have a great rest of your day i hope you guys continue to love the sport of supercross and keep diving deeper into it and also i hope that you guys are getting some throttle therapy and getting your your uh, your tires in the dirt if not this weekend sometime soon as always thanks for listening Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing, as well as Alpine Stars MX and Phoenix Handlebars. I'm your host, Brad Gephardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, this being episode 812 of the Big MX Radio Podcast. We welcome a guy who's been on the podcast a number of times, but probably hasn't been on for oh, too long. He's going to give me shit about it in about 20 seconds. But we'd love to have him on. Chris Elliott. Chris, how's it going? Hey, good, man. I'm not going to give you shit. Thanks for making time. Uh, 812 episodes, huh? That's, uh, that's quite the feat. 812, man. And, and we're, we're, we're clicking along. Of course, uh, Chris Elliott of Team Solitaire. For those who uh, didn't watch the, the, the Behind the Track uh, feature that you were uh, part of just last week, with uh, Supercross Live, uh, I, I thought you were moving up in the world too big for uh, a little podcast like this, but we got you back. You're on the line, and uh, most of the part, most of this, we're not even going to talk dirt bikes. It's going to be mostly junior hockey stories, stuff like that. So if people are listening, looking forward to listening to motocross, they can tune out now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, I think I've, I think I've told them all, like all three of them. So we might have to switch to motocross pretty soon. All right, fair enough. Well, we'll leave. The, if, if people are really interested, they can go hunt uh, for those uh, those three stories that you have from your your junior days of when you used to uh, gracefully slide around on ice and then punch people in the face. Um, let's let's get into uh, the the five year project 
that has been Team Solitaire. It's it started from very humble beginnings, erratic at best. You even had a, a Franken bike of a KTM with uh, I believe full show of suspension on it uh, under uh, one Zachary Commons uh, going back a lot of years ago. But you guys are are making main events weekend in weekend out and uh, and really making a splash and uh, catching a lot of attention for it. Where does the story begin and how is it, how has it evolved to where it's at now? Holy man. Okay. Well, I think, you know, the, the, the big picture story starts back about 10 years ago when I started, but we're going to fast forward to what you just mentioned, the Slayton days. Uh, 2016, I believe it was, I was working for a digital marketing company that was looking for a couple of smaller 250 teams for some uh, media contracts through the, the 250 series. Uh, that brought me to Slayton Racing, which brought me to Ryan Clark, which made us kind of you know we ended up being good friends and, and kind of get through the year itself it was an interesting year to say the least um and then from there we kind of decided if we were going to do this we weren't going to help someone else do it but rather we would do it on our own and brought us to 2017 with we took zach commons with us you've mentioned the franken bike put him back on kawasaki's uh we started our program off on kawasaki's with the help of pro circuit um you know from there it was just build 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 every year um it wasn't until year three we made the switch to yamaha which we've been on yamaha ever since and uh along the way yeah like you said it's kind of just slowly growing every year i think that a smaller budget team like ours there's you know if you try to kind of go ahead of your growth curve and and, and, and get kind of frisky you run out of the money really quick so i think for us it's been a slow 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 crawl to the not to the top but to kind of where we are with uh our group of people now and it's uh it's been fun along the way Absolutely. And you guys have cultivated so many amazing relationships over the years. I see a ton of sponsors like uh, you guys have been with uh, um, with Flow for so long, having uh, different products from them. And, and also same thing with uh, um, M- MX Culture, Dave Jeringer, my best friend in the whole wide world. Maybe not. That's a bit of a stretch, but he's a great, he's great people. Same thing with dirt bikes for president. You guys have had those guys on for a long period of time and Dunlop from the very beginning, if I'm not mistaken. And it's incredible to see somebody within the industry to develop those relationships, cultivate those, those connections that allow you to continue to, to build things up. And what it's turned into is a pretty potent team. Like, uh, I don't, I think I'm not going to speak for you, but I would certainly say that the West Coast has certainly been the deepest and overall speed within the, uh, uh, all the way through back to 40th uh, of time qualifying in in terms of uh, the talent between the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, But you guys have really kind of established yourselves as uh, that other Yamaha team making some noise and might I also add looking good uh, head to toe in that LIAC gear and literally head to toe. There's not too many gear companies that say that can say they're absolutely head to toe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think the first thing that I definitely want to touch on is, is what you said at the beginning is our, our, our sponsors. And um, I can honestly say, I don't think we've ever been dropped by a sponsor. Um, we've switched sponsors on our own will because of certain reasons, but I think the biggest thing for us is we're kind of, um, really picky about who we have as a sponsor and it's not even really a sponsor it's a partner because like for us it's like if you're not gonna grow yourself within our program both like digitally and at the races we don't really know that that's a good fit for us because i think that 
being a smaller team and, you know, our social strong, but I think obviously our reach could be larger. And if we don't utilize the reach of all of our partners, I think we're definitely missing the boat. So I think for us, it's always been important to um, pick partners that are going to also grow with us and push their brand through us, but at the same time pushing us and vice versa. So I think that's one of the big things for us on that side of things. And then, yeah, like some of the longtime partners, I mean, Andy Gregg at Guts Racing, uh, Uncle Dave at MX Culture, obviously James, Derpex President, all those guys. I mean, they're so helpful and they're, they're way too good to us. And without those people, um, it, it just wouldn't work for us. Uh, and then, yeah, like Liat had to tell that, that that is something that we switched to a couple of years ago because they saw the vision that we saw in regards to just kind of standing out from the rest of the field, whether it be um, one-off gear or bringing the gear directly through the design of the bike whatever that is. But I think that also just kind of ties into a partner that is willing to activate with us, both within their program, but also within ours. And then just kind of push it out together as a joint product. And that's kind of where we've been finding the most success um, from a marketing standpoint. For sure. And, and uh, for those who uh, are, are really in tune, they, they follow along quite closely. This last Tuesday, I believe you guys show up completely new look all blacked out bike. The, 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 the helmets are, are beautifully painted. Slayer head to toe. Uh, Slayer on the shrouds. It looked really cool. And that's all connection with uh, the, the Nuclear Blast sponsor that you've had since almost day one of the, of the team. Like I think that's uh, a 2017 connection that you guys had made and, and have been cultivating ever since. Really cool. And then amazing to not only see that you guys have been with them so long, that you're able to really put them on, on stage and uh, like you guys were turning heads no matter who it was uh, when it came to uh, Tuesday's race. And un unfortunately, uh, Hardy Munoz, one of your riders, wasn't able to, uh, to race. He got hurt. Uh, I believe it was the prior race or maybe it was uh, training for it. But uh, uh, tell me a little bit about putting that package together and working with your sponsors to make it happen. Yeah, again, it kind of ties back into what we kind of just touched on. It's 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 ODI bars, it's Guts Racing, it's Liat, it's the Cherubies, it's Shades of Grey, it's Slayer, it's the 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 label, right? It's everyone working together and being willing to make those streaks for the weekend to kind of stand apart. Um, you know, because I think everything together, whether it was the stands, whether it was the boots, whether it was the gear, bikes, helmets, whatever whatever you have, like missing one of those elements would have made for a lesser product so we're very fortunate to where people are, are willing to do that for us and um you know with the label i mean that's something like believe it or not like i mean that was uh, since june we've been working on that right um that just doesn't happen overnight i mean it's it's getting uh previews back and forth it's touching things up it's working with the ad and their uh distribution in china it's all these things that it's a big it ends up being a big circus that all comes together at the you know, the last minute, it's funny, like, maybe a little behind the scenes, but, like, I say I worked on it from June, but, like, literally, we were getting stuff up until that week, just, like, air freighted in and overnighted and all that stuff, because it's kind of tricky, right? Like, with, like, the gear, you can't, you can't order it too quick, because somebody might get hurt, or somebody might maybe leave the team, whatever the situation is, um, so sizing could be an issue, the helmet's the same deal, I mean, you got to wait a little bit to paint the helmet, um, yeah, there's so many factors, but, yeah, throw something to kick on the bikes, Shades of Grey killed the helmets. Obviously, the at killed it on the gear, and it just it worked out really well. And um, definitely, definitely, Nuclear Blast is someone. Obviously, Sarah's record label is someone that helps out a lot with that kind of thing. Kind of hold her hands and also kind of like help us build our um, marketing campaign around that gear. So it was really cool. 
So how many phone calls has Liette gotten to uh, to get a, their hands on a set of that gear? I imagine it's one of a kind, probably not uh, uh, licensed to be replicated in any shape or form. And same thing with the graphics. I got multiple messages to be sent straight to, to Ryan over at Throttle Syndicate to to get that uh, that those graphics made. The reality is is that the the Slayer uh, uh, insignia there, their logo is not easily just shared and, and, and replicated uh, for, for some copyright infringement. So uh, sometimes you guys have a kit and a look that really can't be replicated by anybody else. No, that, that's totally true. That's, that's one of the things where the label comes in really clutch and helping us kind of get through that licensing part of it. Because, yeah, you do have to be careful with legacy bands like that or brands where you can't just use it. So for us to be able to use that in official form, um, it's super helpful. And yeah, dude, we've been working on trying to get that licensing deal done and get the gear out for a couple of years now. It's just, it's like, it's above my pay grade. It's, it's, there's so many things <laughs> that go into it and, and going to like global distribution and then we were trying, but like, this is a cool little segue because, um, there is, there's obviously all the gear is with me. Um, there is two jerseys that are going to be in the St. Jude's auction for Supercross nice. Live. Um, and that's basically the only chance that anyone will have at getting that, those jerseys. Um, and then for the rest of it, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of just dis distribute some to the band as a thank you and some other, uh, sending one of those helmets you know, up to other... me. There you go. And then the rest of it goes in my garage on the wall. So no, it's, um, I'm very fortunate to do that because it's, it's definitely a huge help for us. Um, you know, like I was telling you earlier, like our, our socials were just, off off parts of the week and, and that is a you know obviously a, because of slayer and 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 the help they gave us so that was really cool absolutely it's cool and so you guys have uh two riders on your team wageman uh, robbie wageman who has been uh the number 69 in your program nice uh number one in your hearts has been awesome for you this year uh completely unbeknownst to you he's a two-stroke world champion uh and and uh, we can get into that a little bit but also hardy munoz who basically comes in in relief and you talked about sometimes things change that originally when you had set the team out it was supposed to be uh the 69 machine and the 108 of Aaron Tanti. How'd that uh, not come together? Uh, obviously, I assume there was probably some COVID restrictions uh, of him coming over or something along those lines, but maybe you can give me uh, a little bit more insight. That's honestly, that that's the gist of it. I mean, we had everything ready to go. Um, we were really excited about it. And when it came down to it, um, the details getting him over and with the COVID protocols that Australia was kind of under coming to the United States and vice versa, um, it kind of made it too hard and there was kind of a point of no return to where it was going to have to be yes or no. And uh, we couldn't make it happen, which we were really disappointed about, obviously, because I think that we would have had a, a definite one A and one B with those two uh, as a one, two punch, but you know, uh, Hardy worked out really good for us too. I definitely gained a lot of new fans. Uh, and uh, some people, a lot of people were talking about him. So it was great, but I think it was uh, a good year for Hardy as a rookie, not a rookie, but he was pretty much a rookie. His first full season of Supercross. I think he, he honestly, I think he surprised me. I was a little nervous. I knew he would do well at tracks like Daytona, and I think he would have done well in Atlanta. But, um, you know, believe it or not, I was the most impressed with him in, in Arlington when he basically went 5-5 in the first two LCQs, didn't make the main, but made the main in the third one. Um, watching him grow just through that week was really encouraging, and, and we kind of think that, you know, if we were to continue with Hardy into 2022, um, it's something that we think that, he definitely has the speed and the, and the will and determination. I think that if he cleans up a few little things here and there, I think we definitely got something. 
That's awesome, man. Well, uh, it's it's encouraging to see you guys continuously uh, grow this thing and take it step by step by step, uh, not making leaps and bounds uh, absolutely every year, but progressing and never just settling for where you were the previous year. So in, in two weeks' time from today, you'll have to wipe the slate clean and, and start on 2022 Supercross. Like when you did so for 2021, uh, obviously with the COVID stuff in mind on top of that, uh, where does that process begin? What are some of the, the boxes you check off immediately? Uh, and then where do you go from there? Do you want a curveball first? Yes. Okay. So we'll be in Salt Lake this weekend. We're going to run for, Robbie in the 450, 450 class. And we're gonna run his brother, yeah, we're going to run his brother RJ in the 250 East class. Ooh. The Wageman Bros take on Salt Lake City. Yeah. Just, they'll just be sharing one jersey? Like, I, I'm sure you don't have. Uh, huh? Is is that is that what you were meaning when you have last minute gear to be made up? No, no, no. He'll have new gear. Now we talked about it for a while. We thought it'd be a little cool thing. I mean, RJ's gonna ride the bike, kind of be like a guest rider for the day. Um, he's gonna do an article for one of the magazines he writes for, and nice. we just thought it'd be a cool thing for the Wageman family to have the boys under the truck. Um, you know, that's the one thing with with Robbie and his parents and his sisters and even his friends, man. Like. It is, it is such a, it's such a like refreshing, cool thing to have such a cool family around. They, they only bring positive vibes and, and honestly are like kind of like an asset in a way to us. Um, just, they're, they're just great. So we thought it'd be cool to have the whole Wagen family out for the day and put them under the truck and see if RJ could put it in the main from the couch. Yeah. And like, what, what are you thinking is his abilities to, to do exactly that? Like you imagine having two wagemen in, in back-to-back main events. Uh, I'm sure it's been done at some point between brothers, but uh, um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we don't really have any expectations for him. We just want him to keep the bike clean and uh, have some fun. That's all we really want from him. And like I said, it's just, it's honestly, it's cool for us. And it's kind of like, it ends up being marketing material for us. Like we get some cool photos out of it, a cool story out of it, a cool vlog out of it. All that stuff is kind of like where our decision came from. We just want RJ to have fun. And uh, same with Robbie in the 450 class. I mean, he had a rough week in Atlanta and uh, we just want him to have fun again on a normal supercross track, you know, throw some whips and, and just ride some laps. Fair enough. So this, uh, this 250 West series has absolutely been it's it's almost been like a sprint but it's also been a slow burn when you have a three-week break in the middle of it uh from a budgeting standpoint from a scheduling standpoint how have you how much have you have to be on your toes non-stop with this stuff because uh, it's an ever-changing thing a little bit here and there as well as uh completely different from any west coast supercross series that you've scheduled out before yeah i think you know Again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, I think the biggest the biggest hurdle for us was being a smaller team. Um, essentially, this is a side hustle for us, right? And Ryan, myself, our two mechanics, we all have full-time jobs. So the biggest hurdle for us, honestly, from a budget standpoint was flying in and then, you know, Ryan and I fly out on Wednesdays. We just, it's too long. It's too long to be gone from home. And unfortunately, our mechanics stayed the entire time for them. But I think more or less what I'm getting at is just like, if you break it down to every penny, I mean, there's like a lot of lost wages and there's a lot of lost, um, you know, time at work. And then when you get to the actual races itself, I mean, it's, it's tough on the guys because there's so much, tra- so much travel as opposed to like a normal year, like money aside, you know, you get to go to Anaheim twice, San Diego, Oakland, Phoenix. I mean, those are literally the longest flight you're taking is maybe an hour um, with the East coast rounds, like Atlanta, for example. I mean, you can leave, you got to leave, 
really early in the morning to make it there in time to try to test because if you don't test by 7.30, you lose an entire day, right? You can't be in the pit. You can't set up. You can't work on bikes, that sort of thing. Right. So I think um, that's that's been challenging to kind of do that little like week-to-week stuff and trying to make everyone's jobs work and, and, and also get our stuff done with the team. And then from a money standpoint, honestly, it ends up kind of being a wash. I mean, we end up spending a little bit more money on like rental cars and hotels, but then we spend a little less money on travel, just a little. Um, I think obviously the biggest change in cost is the semi. The semi has gone a lot further and spent a lot more time on the road, different permits and that sort of thing. Um, but honestly, like all in all, I don't think that I could sit here and tell you that it's been a giant change. It's been a different, it's been, di- it's been money spent differently in different ways, but as far as like a number goes, I don't think it's astronomically more expensive this year than it has been in the past. It's just been different. Mm-hmm. And it certainly has been uh, not nearly as many fans going through the pits. And in the past, with you guys working so closely with Rockwell Watches, you've had a lot of people uh, had sales staff and even like the 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 kind of the big boss of the hot sauce over at uh, Rockwell on the premises, getting people into watches, which is super cool in the past. That's not really even really a thing that that can be happening right now with the social distancing. You basically have to just put the uh, put the shields up and stuff like that. How did you uh, attack the the activation side, which is something that you guys have really excelled at in the past? Uh, and I think that kind of circles back to how you guys have really been crushing it on the social side lately. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it came down to. I mean, obviously, a big part of our program isn't necessarily a results-based program, right? We are we are the team that are very accessible to fans come in. We'll give you a tour. You can sit on our bikes. We're, we're pretty good like that. Um, and that also came with obviously our activation area. I mean, we had the TV going all day, commercials, music, ended up being a party, right? And it was a party where you could basically touch any product we ran. You'd be able to touch it, hold it, view it, ask us questions. If you wanted to ask our mechanic a question, we'd let you ask our mechanic a question. Um, with all that being said, I mean, none of that was allowed this year. And it was definitely hard to um kind of reassessed how we were going to deliver to our sponsors and i mean we kind of got creative we did some we we put together some goodie bags and we went and did a lot of dealer drops and just said hi to the local liat dealers or yamaha dealers um and then obviously we put a lot more emphasis into our social media which we have in the past but i think it was a little bit more um just like we communicated with fans a lot more this year since we couldn't communicate with them at the races we're like i guess we better better jump on and do a little bit more from the social side of things and just a lot more targeted campaigns with with companies and just being more accessible to fans from a digital standpoint because we can do it at the races and and it's definitely helped out a lot and then beyond that just we've been really fortunate i mean you you, you know you brought up supercross live there's been so many media outlets this year that have like kind of taken notice and Honestly, the amount of media attention we've gotten this year has kind of, I would say, offset the fact that we weren't able to activate as we once were. That's that's impressive and that's important to be able to continue to be able to give value to your sponsors in a world where, uh, like you you said, it's not exactly a results-based team as far as how you add value. You guys uh, aren't on the top step of the podium, but what you, you do have the ability to is turn heads and showcase the sponsors that you have and not being able to do that in the pits where guys have been able to uh, come up to, like you said, like your, your mechanics in the past who have always been super gracious with answering people's questions. And yeah, it's a total party. I like to go over there for lunch when I was able to go to races. We're not even going to go there. Uh, but like, yeah, the, the social side is something that you guys have so many tips and tricks that are always up your sleeve. You guys are bringing out different pieces of artwork, different things all the time. 
Uh, where does, where, like, I, and I have a sneaking suspicion that, that you're behind a lot of that, uh, or at least you pull the, you're the master puppeteer that pulls the strings to make it happen. Uh, where do you acquire that knowledge? And then how do you uh, source the right people to, to create the creative content needed to uh, consistently be bringing out stuff? Because if I look at, at your newsfeed, like just looking at your, your profile from, from like a thousand foot view uh, without even going into the pictures themselves and the, the posts themselves, you guys have a, a got it down to a to a science, and it's completely different than any other team. You guys are almost uh, leading the way, similar to how some of the F one teams are doing it right now with their activation online. Yeah, no, I um, I do run all the socials, but I get a lot of help. Right, um, MX Visuals helps us. We brought him on to help us with all our art this year, so that's kind of been a nice little element we could provide to our sponsors. So that's been helpful. Um, but you know, for me, like it's as far as the industry goes, I mean, I go back, uh, we were talking earlier, I go back like 10 years now, right? And part of what I did was I had a smaller website called FMX News where I handled everything. I handled all the content creation. I handled all the marketing, social media, sponsors, what what you have it. And then after ESPN, I worked for a marketing company where I, I dealt, I, I oversaw, um, you know, some big motor brands, social medias. And I also did some stuff with Sony, Replay XD, car racing. There was like, a really wide variety of things I've done in the past. So I draw from all those. Um, and then I think it's important. I'll listen to anyone. Like, you know, I'll ask you questions, what you think. I'll ask Ryan questions, what he thinks. I'll ask my mechanics. I really listen to everyone because I think that I don't just want to target one person, right? I want to target everyone. And if I have someone's mom scrolling through Twitter and they see it, I want her to see it and, and be intrigued, whether that's through our art, whether it's through our mentions. I mean, we get a little saucy sometimes with our comments, but I think it's like, I, we can't be so serious. I think we've got to be real. And like, if when we're real on social media, honestly, is where we get the most interaction. And, and I'll give you an example, man. Like last week, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to shut, like, I'm not going to shut away from it. Like our guys, it was, it, it was not a good week. I mean, we went zero for however many you want to call it in the main event. Robbie did not make one main event. We got docked. We got basically, DQ'd from a heat race, Hardy got hurt, he's done for the year. And it was, on that front, it was awful. But our mentions across the board and our socials were in the hundred thousands. So insane. it's, it's, it's like, and it's crazy because our reach isn't even that big. I mean, if our reach was bigger, I, I would be, you know, really curious to know what kind, what those numbers look like. But yeah, I mean, when we sit back and we look at it, we're like, we're super depressed, not depressed, but we're super disappointed in how the week went. And it wasn't for a lack of effort from our mechanics, our riders, none of that. So it's okay. Um, but what we can hang our hat on last week was our, you know, our marketing, our social media presence, the collaborations we did. And honestly, like no one has called me this week to say, Hey man, bummer of a week. Everyone called me, all my partners, even what you media outlets to talk about the week we had three different bikes, custom set of gear, photo shoots, um, you name it. Like we're, we were getting interviews with Supercross Live, magazines were hitting us up. Like it was a really big week for us. And uh, that's why it is so important to put just as much emphasis on your marketing and your social media and just your digital presence as it is at times the results. Because those are one things we can control is we can control our presence and how we handle ourselves on a marketing level. But we can't control those results. I mean, we can build the guys a bike. We could send them out there and say, here you go. But at that point, it's a one-man army. Um, and we do do everything we possibly can for those guys. And we go to the end of the world if we have to for them, but it's on them at that point. So like I said, it's just, for us, it's just as big as anything else. And we take it very seriously. And, and honestly, we're going to keep going. 
That's awesome. So that with that being said, uh, without giving away all of your tricks or uh, or just showing us the roadmap ahead, what's next for uh, for Team Solitaire aside from going 250s and 450s this coming weekend in Salt Lake City? Yeah, you know we got we got a couple of cool things coming up the last two rounds. Like obviously we talked about the Wageman round. We're gonna have a full on Wageman family reunion in the pit for Salt Lake City one, um, and then obviously East West Shooter Rosa will drop back down to the 250. We're bringing on a title sponsor uh, for that round, Olympic Health out of Salt Lake City, Utah. So that will be cool. Again, it's going to be very cool. Different helmet, different helmet, different bike, the whole thing. Uh, we'll run promotions with for all the riders that whole week, and then obviously we get to visit our guys at Rockwell. Um, after that, I mean, honestly, man, we'll probably take a few days off to decompress, laundry, decompress, and then we'd be right back into it. Um, I don't know. Robbie might run a couple nationals. It's just, you know, it's a lot of money and effort just to run a couple of nationals. So we'll see. But, um, it, you know, I think we're going to kind of focus our our effort on some, some two-stroke edits and just some, some fun stuff in the summer. And honestly, I mean, we start to build our digital strategy the minute the season ends. Uh, and we already have stuff kind of in line going towards 2022. A lot of our sponsors are – it's year two of a two-year deal. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I believe there's – you know, we're definitely going to be back and looking for more. Um, I'm – pretty positive like we, we plan on having Robbie back we've had that conversation so I think Robbie's someone that unless he has an amazing year and star comes and takes him he's always going to have a spot with us and we want to be that team that maybe gets him to that next level um and then again Hardy Hardy just you know obviously has surgery next week and then he's gonna have some time off and we'll kind of reassess with Hardy about what he wants to do maybe some goals and options for him but uh yeah other than that it's just uh plan 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 strategy 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 Fair enough. So you, speak, you spoke about curveballs uh, earlier uh, when it came to uh, um, when you I asked you one of the questions. Um, but here, here's a curveball for you. Like, what was your reaction when your star rider, uh, the 69 year program, uh, calls you uh, at about four o'clock in the afternoon to let you know that he is a two stroke world champion and uh, and, and went out and uh, uh, and raced that completely unbeknownst to his team manager. All right, so we'll tell you the story. Okay. Uh, it was it was a it was a happy called me because it was already over, but it was funny. So, um, like I said, Ryan and I we have jobs during the week, right? So when we got back from Dallas, we were we were catching up, we were busy, and it was a uh, it was a sunny Saturday. I was working away, working away, working away, busy, 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 and I get a text from Robbie at like maybe like four o'clock, and it says, "Hey, I need to talk to you." I'm like, "Oh boy, that's ne- that's honestly never good." So. I called him like, what's up, man? He's like, hey, uh, I rolled the two-stroke nationals. I'm like, oh, oh how? <laughs> so long story short, uh, Robbie went there to sell beef jerky and kind of man the orange jerky stand for his brother while his brother raced the two-stroke nationals. We didn't have a bike for him. We had no plans on running it at all. Um, unfortunately, Josh Grant had a big one in the morning in practice, and Robbie was joking around with Jamie Ellis about riding the bike, and Jamie Ellis kind of called his bluff and said, hey, take it. Robbie had some gear in the back of his van, went and got his gear, uh, jumped on the bike, softened the suspension, went out. First time he touched the track was the first moto, whole shot, wire to wire, one. And then, uh, you know, second moto, he he was winning, whole shot again, huge whole shot, winning. Uh, Trevor Stewart was flying, and Robbie was kind of marking everyone and knew where they were, so he knew one-two would be good for the championship. And, yeah, he uh, cruised her home for a one-two, first overall. <laughs> two-stroke world champion. Uh, but the funniest thing is, like, and me and Ryan were talking about it. 
Ryan said he would have been fine with it, but I'm, I'll go on record and say Ryan was full of shit. There's no way. Because if Robbie would have called up and been like, dude, I don't know. That's not a great idea. You're literally getting on a plane for Atlanta on Wednesday. Like, maybe sit this one out, right? Um, but fortunately, he did not ask us, and he told us after the fact he had already won. <laughs> there you go. But well, he was on a Yamaha. Yeah, he was on a Yamaha. He was in the gear. It was all. It all worked out great. Yeah, he even had, uh, he must have had a name, name and number, uh, same as the, all the team sponsors on his jerseys, because he's just, he's just showing up in, in, with his, like, Jamie Ellis tells him to go get his gear, he goes gets his, his practice gear bag full of stuff, like, maybe he didn't have name and number or something like along those lines, but for the most part, yeah, he, no, he, he looked, he, he would have looked the part. He had name and number, he was number 69 on bike number 33. That's perfect, <laughs> hey, that, if that's, if that doesn't scream motocross, I don't know what does. Um, so, like, aside from that, what other sort of curveballs were you thrown during this season of COVID? Um, honestly, it, it, not to be dramatic, but again, it was just it was it was a it was a season long curveball because we were learning to adapt. Um, you know, as we went, it, it's not just us. Like from a business standpoint, it's like it's the same thing. It's the mechanics. It's the difference in like you know, boarding for the guys down at the line when they're trying to come across their pit boards. It's, it's the tech is different. It's um, the testing, it's the travel, it's all these things. Um, everything was different, man. It was a lot of curveballs, but I think like I'm really proud of the guys. My mechanics are, they, we literally could not do without those guys. It's, uh, you know, Bergie and Jelly, it's Colin, you know, Colin and Eric, but I call them Bergie and Jelly. You know, they're both amazing guys. Like I, I've been, you know, I've asked them to do some pretty ridiculous things over the years and they do with a smile on their face and they both love motos so much and they love being there that even if like Ryan and I are mad at each other or, you know, mad about a race or mad about like their, um, you know, their, their overall vibe of just being happy to be there is just makes it so much better. And, um, you know, they're unreal, but no, nah, it's just the whole thing was a curveball, man. And, and then the results and just like, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I was nervous coming into the year, right? It was, I, I thought Robbie made a lot of strides and I think that I kind of thought like, yeah, you know, he, he's gotten way better, but this class is so deep. Like I think it puts him in the same spot. So when he came out at Orlando two and pulled a ninth, I was like, Whoa, um, that's interesting. And uh, so it kind of, in a sense, it kind of changed how we felt about racing and it got a little bit more serious for a second. And obviously we weren't able to back that up, but um, it wasn't for a lack of effort. It, it, you know, he, he's still trying to stay. And I think that if you're just in the main event in this class, you can easily, easily, the way this class has been going, you can easily rattle off the top five. I mean, it's, it's been that crazy. You know, you've got Kyle Peters, um, Chris Blows, you look at Swole, you look at Robertson, you look at all these guys. You can look at across the results, and I don't think anyone's necessarily been consistent. I don't think it's because of a lack of talent or, or the way they're riding. I just think that everyone's so good, you can't really give you even like a, you know, a second on a course because it's just, it's, uh, it's so it's so deep. Um, other than that, I mean, curveballs. Hardy Hardy was interesting because Hardy's a very aggressive rider, and it's it turned into a few after sessions or after heat race altercations in our pit that was that was fun to deal with. But um, oh yeah, you know that was something that that was something that we would just handle. Who was bite, who who had a, a bone to pick with him earlier? Was it uh, Jerry Robin? Oh, uh, who didn't? I mean, a lot of guys did. <laughs> a lot of guys did, and 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 we honestly just you know, smile and nod it out. I mean, the thing is, is like, I don't think, you know, it, I was telling Daniel Brothers, I mean, there is so many guys 
that have had a career that are, are gone or coming or team team managers have had that like if they just have a little bit more hardy in them and a little bit more grit and a little bit more determination and go for a little more front tires that they would have gone a lot further in their career mm-hmm. and yes hardy was aggressive yes hardy did some things that were like ah oh, dude you got to chill a little bit um but at the end of the day i'd rather have that than someone that just doesn't try or rides the back to the truck when they're not feeling good or whatever the situation is i mean it didn't matter if that kid was in 12th or second in LCQ, or it was the second lap of the untimed qualifying, he literally would not shut the throttle off. And yeah, at times it caused problems. And yeah, maybe we changed out a lot of parts. But, you know, when, like, I go back to my mechanics and Ryan and, and our truck driver and, and Dave and whoever helps us, I mean, we put so much effort into this thing and we leave our families and it's a, it's a sacrifice from the day we open our computers that, um, it's super refreshing to have someone that honestly gives it as much effort as we do. And that's what both of our guys are at right now. They both give it, you know, just as much effort in different ways. I'll have it obviously Robbie's a little bit more smooth around the edges, but um, you know, both of our guys were super impressive this year and um, you know, the curveballs were the curveballs, but I think that we were definitely prepared for them. And, and just like I said, the overall effort vibe and the guys we had uh, in our program made them a lot less uh, dramatic. Fair enough, man. Well, you guys are doing a fantastic job. I can't say enough good things about uh, the team and all of your efforts and uh, looking forward to seeing what comes next for Team Solitaire. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited. We're already already looking forward to 2022 for sure. Well, I'll definitely have to catch up with you and your riders when that, uh, that roster gets released. Um, Chris Elliott from Team Solitaire here on the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by fox racing as well as alpine stars mx and phoenix handlebars uh this has been a fantastic uh interview on the podcast uh it was way too long since we had you on the previous time we're going to try not to uh, make it as long before we connect with you again uh because this is this is a lot of fun thanks buddy thanks for having me awesome dude do not hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're going to cut it off right there well there you have it, guys. My interview, great conversation with Chris Elliott from Team Solitaire. These guys are next level when it comes to activation on their team. They do a fantastic job at it, and they've been at it for a long period of time. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to my good friend James Hansen from Dirt Bikes for President, and he does a fantastic job. And for the first time, although he's been going to the races for a really long time, he'd never worn a headset at a Supercross, uh, he attended the last round of the Atlanta series, uh, or uh, residency, and uh, and he was able to do exactly that. So uh, shout out to James, that's awesome. Working with Team Solitaire, he's been on there for three years, I believe, as a sponsor through Dirt Bikes for President, and also Dave Derringer, a uh, great friend um, of the podcast. And uh, yeah, like th- these guys are awesome. So hope you guys are enjoying these. Hope you enjoy this uh, this episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. And, uh, and, and you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks.